Hello guys, welcome back to Daily Bebo with Sarah. It's your host Sarah. Thank you guys for tuning in and I hope that you guys are having a fabulous start to your Tuesday. So no tangent of the day today, nothing prepared, but we are going to get right into it and the title of today's episode is The Walking Dead. And just as a disclaimer, I never watched this show and I believe this was a show about zombies, right? Like I could be wrong, um, but I never watched it. And number one, the reason is because I have no interest in anything related to zombie whatsoever. There's just zero appeal. It is what it is. And then number two, because it was like a zombie show, I imagined there would be blood. And it's not that I can't do blood, but if I feel like on screen the blood is going to be produced in a gruesome way, then that that's a no-go for me, like for sure, because I'm going to then not be able to sleep for the next couple weeks or months. And yes, even like years, if it's terrifyingly gruesome. So I just never started the show, never obviously finished it, <laughs> never even gave it, given it like a minute to convince me that it's a good show. But I guess that's the analogy we're walking. <laughs> I mean, going off of today. So the verses are from chapter 9, verses 17 through 18, where it says, Stolen water is sweet, food eaten in secret is delicious. Oh, yes, it is, right? Like when you eat like secret food, like the potato chips that you weren't supposed to have because you're on a diet, but then like you sneak in in the middle of the night and then you munch on a few chips and you go back to sleep you know that feeling um but little do they know that the dead are there that her guests are deep in the realm of the dead okay all right let's work with this so the input from the authors today are proverbs tells us that righteousness brings life while wickedness leads to death this may be literally true many of the behaviors promoted in proverbs such as marriage and work, prudence, emotional self-control are associated with longer lifespans. For example, in Proverbs 4.10, it says, Accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. Um, So I want to stop there. I guess back in those days, like the biblical times, I mean, it's a biblical time right now too, but you know, I mean like when the stories in the Bible took place. That's what I mean. Um. Where it says, like, except what I say and the years of life will be many, I think longevity was a lot more important to those people than longevity is important to us now. Because back then, like, it's not like we had all this knowledge about taking care of our bodies if we were to get sick and also for, like, preventative care as well. And they didn't have doctors to heal or cure anything um, if anything, like they probably, and they absolutely did stuff like bloodletting. <laughs> and that's probably not from that century, honestly, that we're talking about from Proverbs. But you know what I mean? Like back in those days, the medical knowledge and care was very limited. And so I can't imagine like the mortality rate, you know, just like even from women dying from pregnancies and like people catching cold, but being able to do nothing about it. So that escalating to some like severe flu and that escalating to something else and something else and then like people die and like you know catching disease i bet all of that was like a lot more prevalent and therefore like longevity meant a lot more to them than it probably means to us and back then like humans lived hundreds and hundreds of years 
And then now we live like barely make it to a hundred, right? So it's like totally different context. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, the next part says, however, usually life and death refer not to length, but to quality of life. Okay. So another point to consider. So for us, this probably applies more where, yeah, like when we're talking about life and death in a biblical context in, yeah, that kind of a context, we're not necessarily talking about the length of life, but quality. So some examples that the author gives sometimes to live refers to having loving relationships or to the psychological well-being of a heart of peace. And sometimes it means the spiritual life that is fellowship with God. So I think this is absolutely true. And I do want to like break this down with some examples. So where it says sometimes to live refers to having loving relationships. Let's take two people as examples. Man number one lives up to age 50 and dies because of, I don't know, it doesn't have to be like due to something terrible, but let's say just lives a shorter life than most people, right? Up until age 50. And even though that's the case and not necessarily, you know, he didn't succeed in the longevity of life, but during his 50 years, he has had, you know, the privilege of spending time with his loving wife who cared for him, you know, doted on him and had grandchildren who were obsessed with spending time with him neighbors and old friends who visited him regularly and called him up and like people at church who encouraged him and prayed for him in times of needs versus man number two who lives up to age 100 plus years let's say right succeeded in the longevity department for sure but in his life no friends who care about him family members who don't reach out grandchildren who don't even know who he is right like who do you think is living a life or has lived a life that felt more like they were actually alive in and then where it says sometimes to live refers to the psychological well-being of a heart of peace let's take two stay-at-home moms as an example here both moms are super you know like they're living chaotic lives, even though they're necessarily not going into work because you guys, come on, like stay at home mom, that's like a full-time job. And like, except they don't get paid for it. Um, but like both of them are super stressed out, you know, every day taking care of the house by doing everybody's laundry, like cooking three meals for everybody and making medical and whatever appointments for everybody in the house and cleaning the house for everybody <laughs> right um and i know like those aren't like those are like the more stereotypical duties of a stay-at-home mom but like they are like actual responsibilities of a stay-at-home mom in some families so you know that gets really tiring right but let's say that like one of the women you know of the two has this heart of peace because even though like the monotonous duties and chores that she's doing on a regular basis she knows that when her husband comes home right she's going to be reminded that she has this lifelong partner who absolutely loves her and dotes on her and when her children come home they're happy to see her and they show appreciation for their mother as opposed to the other woman 
who doesn't have this heart of peace because her husband and her kids don't care about her, right? Like which one of those women is going to feel like they're living a life where they're actually alive in? And then the last example where it says sometimes to live, it means the spiritual life that is fellowship with God. Well, let's take um, two types of Christian as an example. Like one Christian shows up to church because simply because he has grown up, you know, being going to church on Sundays all his life. And so just out of routine and out of familiarity of this habit, he shows up, right? And then he worships simply because, you know, I mean, songs are playing and the lyrics are up there, right? Um, he does offering because that's what his parents told him to do. And it doesn't mean anything to him, but like it feels like the right thing to do. Um, versus another Christian who shows up to church because he really wants to actually worship God. He wants to surround himself with other people who also love God and be of encouragement and edification to them. And he worships not because songs are just, you know, just happen to be playing in the background, but then because he is genuinely so thankful and appreciative of all the ways that God has been good and faithful to him and wants to, you know, adore him with worship songs, right? And he does offering because it is, you know, a practice that reminds him that God is the ultimate provider of all his blessings in life. And he gets to simply show with this action how he has humbled himself to that belief, right? Like, who, which Christian is living his or her life as if, you know, this person is actually alive in the life that they're living in? So with that broken down, let's move on. To miss out on true life then is to enter the realm of death before your physical life on earth is ended. To live a life cut off from God with ever-increasing spiritual blindness, brittleness, and hardness is to become a spiritual corpse. Ah, so I guess that's where the walking dead comes from, where basically um, we're talking about being spiritual zombies. I think I get where we're going now. Um, yeah, because like you could just be a zombie in as a Christian as if you are like on autopilot mode for everything that you do or say as a Christian. Um, and that's totally possible. And in that case, you're basically a spiritual corpse. Basically, that's what it's saying. Folly's guests reside deep in the realm of the dead, so we must choose life, as said in Deuteronomy 30, 19. So I guess in another words, the authors are saying, like, we might as well be dead if, you know, like, yes, we call ourselves Christians, but then we actually don't live our life with God. Our lives, our lives, <laughs> our lives are cut off from God. I don't know why this picture comes to mind. I'm sure it's coming because it's like related to what we're talking about. But I'm imagining like a little girl who walks down the street, even though she is like the daughter of a king, she has dressed herself in rags and she's asking people in the streets for scraps and because she hasn't eaten, she's hungry. And 
that would be odd, right? For everyone else who knows that this girl even identifies as the daughter of a king, as a girl who knows that she herself is the daughter of a king. She could always go back to her castle where her father is and eat all the, you know, delicacies of whatever food she wants, be dressed in, you know, high quality, I don't know, like what do like royal people wear? I'm not going to say cotton or just linen, but whatever they wear, okay? Um, and live in comfort and convenience and royalty, right? And wouldn't that be an odd sight? And yet, as Christians, that's how we live. Like, we, even though we are sons and daughters of the king of the universe, the king of this world, we live our lives like slaves, like orphans, like people who don't realize what our identity is. Um, and this is why, you guys, like, I struggle singing some worship songs sometimes because i mean number one i'm already like picky about worship songs to begin with i'm not going to say that's a good thing or a bad thing i think like there's an argument to be made there but sometimes like it's hard for me to sing lyrics in church during worship when i don't really believe it um and when i've had situations like this before and i've spoken to like some pastors and friends about this they would just be like no sarah like even if like the lyrics don't completely resonate with you you know like the lyrics in certain worship songs not certain worship songs the word yeah well certain actually certain worship songs are true and so as a testament of your faith you know that like one day those lyrics will resonate with you you should just sing it but then i cannot fake things you guys so i can't i don't do that like so one example i'm thinking of right now is i forgot what song but there's this one song where it says like i'm a daughter of god like i'm paraphrasing something like that and at certain seasons in my life like i had a hard time singing that because i didn't live like i was the daughter of god i didn't live like i was the daughter of the king of the universe the creator of the universe you know i lived like somebody who was a slave to this world enslaved by the chase of success money beauty personal growth and it's not to say that chasing after those things is bad <laughs> by any means we should seek them and a healthy person would seek them but the gist of like i guess what i'm trying to say is when you are truly in tune with your identity as a daughter of god you are not going to be pursuing those things over god and you will not allow the chase of those things ever take precedence over your relationship with god and that has been unfortunately not been the trend of my life you know i would think i would have seasons where i would but if i'm going to be completely honest as disappointing as it is for myself like a lot of my focus has been like being worried and caught up and anxious about what i don't have in this life and slaving away in whatever way possible to achieve all of those quote-unquote gods 
like success and money and beauty and personal growth. Again, not that those things are bad. Not that when you chase after those things, God is automatically displeased. But when you do call yourself a believer of Jesus and you don't give Jesus that trust that he is going to take care of you in all of those departments, um, then, you know, that should create a cognitive dissonance in what you call yourself and how you live your life. Because when you are so caught up with chasing things in life that has no regard or picture of God whatsoever in there, then that's living like a spiritual corpse. And by, you know, when I say that, like, I'm, I can't judge anyone. Number one, I don't have the right to. But number two, I genuinely can't. It would be extremely hypocritical of me to do that because, you know, I've done such a good job at living in my identity as a Christian. And it's not that as a Christian, I'm meant to be like a perfect person, right? Like that's not possible for a human. But at least when I examine my heart, I know that like I haven't always chosen to give that trust to God to take care of me and kind of allow myself to be the one in the driver's seat and just pursue all these things that everybody else does in life and justify it saying like, this is just like the smart and the wise way to do life. Now, of course, like I don't think God, not that I don't think, I know God isn't pushing for anyone to pursue him to the point of like being financially irresponsible you know, vocationally irresponsible or, you know, give up on yourself. Like, I know that's not like the alternative here, but then, so then what does it mean to be a Christian who is living as a spiritual corpse and not as a spiritual corpse? That's something that we have to answer. The input said here, the live um, I mean, to live a life cut off from God is to become a spiritual corpse. And while I wouldn't say I ever lived a life cut off from God, because I think when I was saved, the Holy Spirit always stayed with me and never left me, even though like I lost sight of the Holy Spirit and couldn't feel him because I was adding so many sins in my life sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally, and not repenting and being stubborn in that department. And that left me to live this life as a spiritual corpse. I think even now, I do feel that way sometimes. Um, like when somebody, like the other day, well, it was like two weeks ago, um, I was meeting up with a friend at a restaurant and somebody as i was making a turn almost crashed into my car and you know it was definitely her fault if it wasn't i wouldn't be sharing this story but honestly it was like she's the one who was speeding like in this parking lot and she's the one who almost like crashed into me and that made me freak out so much because i had just got into a car accident not too long ago and i was like oh no 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 this isn't happening again 
Um, but then, even though it was clearly, so clearly her fault, she like puts up her hands, you know, like that thing people do in the world where they put up both their hands, like they're saying, what? And then like, she gives me this like dirty look. And I was so fueled with rage at that moment. This is not <laughs> characteristic of me, you guys, but oh my gosh, at that moment, I just lost it. I rolled down my window and I screamed at her and I don't even remember what I said, but I must have said something like, like what what's your problem that was your fault something like that and like i even surprised myself after i did that but then yeah like obviously not my finest moment i get it but in a moment like that i was basically being a spiritual corpse because as a christian that's not the behavior that i'm supposed to be showing you know like it doesn't mean that like i can't feel anger <laughs> and like anxiety and frustration as a christian but like there, that wasn't the way to show that. That wasn't the way to communicate it. And like, how in the world would that kind of a behavior point to Jesus in any way, right? It wouldn't do that. Sarah being a spiritual corpse, right? Just tackling on or tacking on um, this identity, this identification as a believer of Jesus, but I might as well be a Christian corpse because I'm dead inside as a Christian. Okay, that sounds really extreme. That's not where I'm meant to go. But like in my practice and in my demonstration of my faith, I'm not showing that. Yes, that's what I meant to say. Um, and then like, you remember the Jesus face transplant thing that I was talking about a couple days ago in my episode where like I didn't like this particular person, but then once I took the face of Jesus, and put it onto her face i was able to like love on her and like not have hatred feelings towards her um before that happened a couple of weeks ago you know she had called me because she needed me it needed me for something and i just did not again have a good moment as a christian where because she wasn't good to me i didn't want to be good to her so when i picked up i was like hi and that's not how I answer people, obviously. I'm actually very excited when I pick up the phone. But I just like could not mutter the energy to be kind. And I was like super short with like the way I was talking to her. And did I feel good when I did that? I mean, yes, I felt good in the sense that I felt like I was able to kind of let out how I was feeling about her. But truly, did I? Not really. I felt really dirty inside. And... I think it's because for me, like, I have the Holy Spirit in me, like convicting me, like, Sarah, that's not right. You know, like, like I said, like, ever since I was saved, the Holy Spirit has been in my heart and he convicts me. It's not just like a moral conviction of like right or wrong behavior. It's like a whole nother level of spiritual conviction. And he won't let me get away with feeling okay with my behavior when it's wrong like that. And I can do what I want with that guilt. I can either suppress it or I can lean into it and, you know, fix my ways. But then again, that's another moment where I was a spiritual corpse. It doesn't matter what I'm calling myself, what I'm showing up to the world as Christian or not. 
if my attitude and behavior and speech aren't going to reflect that, then I'm, I'm literally just dead. And I don't want to keep sounding like I'm extreme, but like, I think it is that extreme, right? In the realm of faith, like if you're not about the spiritual world being a thing, of course, all of this is going to sound like a joke to you. But then I do believe in the spiritual world because I do believe in God. And so for me, like it is a big deal that like when I am calling myself, you know, a Christian and I live as a faith based person, but then like my life doesn't demonstrate my identity as a daughter of God and follower of Jesus and the child of God in any way. And same with the rest of my life, how I live my life, how I make decisions, how I talk to people, how I respond to negative emotions and events in life, right? And so it's a big um, conviction moment for me here today, clearly, where, you know, the next time I feel angry or I feel wrong, um, what can I do to not live like just a person who has no regard or fear of God and no care to represent God on this earth because that's who we are, right? When we call ourselves Christian, um, this is this might be a little bit cheesy, but this is what my mentor uh, phrased this a long time ago. He was like, we're little Christs, you know, when we are Christians. And are we good examples of that? you know, with the way that we live our lives. Ultimately, though, more than about the behavior, I think it's about the heart. Like, where's your heart? Like, go back to like the other example I was talking about before, when I was comparing two different types of Christians who show up on Sundays. Why are they there to, I mean, yeah, why are they there in the first place? Why are they worshiping? Why are they tithing? Why are they praying? Why are they serving at church? Why are they doing anything for God, right? Um, because I think, not I think, I believe God looks at the heart. Your behavior could be crap, but are you in an honest, sincere pursuit of changing your heart so that you can live like as an actual Christian that you claim yourself to be? Because if there's not even a remote sense of desire in you to have that kind of a heart, then you gotta probably ask yourself, am I truly a Christian or have I been fooling myself because I grew up, you know, being forced to go to church by my parents all my life and like it feels weird not to be tethered to that kind of a label, you know? Um, cause do think about it. Think about how many Christians just look, considering the Gallup, um, statistics, so many people in America are Christians, including myself, obviously. And how many of those people are actual Christians with the kind of heart that wants to truly honor God and live their lives for God? versus like the ones who just call themselves Christian because that's just what they grew up with. It doesn't mean anything to them, doesn't influence or impact 
their life choices in any way, right? I bet there's only a few. And wouldn't it be so devastating if there are more actual, sincere, and real Christians in other countries where Christians are persecuted for their faith versus Christians living here? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that's true, but I could be wrong. I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying. So you guys, are we just corpse? Wait, corpses? Can that be pluralized? I don't know. Are we just corpse? Are we just the walking dead of Christians? Or are we actually living alive Christians and followers of Jesus, right? Only God has the information to the number for that statistic. <laughs> and that would be so fascinating for all of us to know. But maybe let's take today to reevaluate our faith, where we stand, and check our hearts. Don't look at the behavior so much. Those only tell so much data. But look at your heart. Do you have the heart of a spiritual corpse or do you have a heart of a living Christian? Even if, you know, you're not living the most quote unquote perfect Christian life, is your heart in a humble, sincere place where you are asking God to be a part of that journey of helping you become serious and honest in your faith? I think for me, my biggest point of conviction is my attitude, honestly, when it comes to how I treat people who are the closest to me, because you know what, you know how it works, right? Like you end up hurting the people you love the most. And it's like the most ironic thing, but that has been the one of the truest things in my life. And I want to turn that around, you know, like when people I love treat me wrong like i do want to be able to defend myself and stand up for myself but at the same time i don't need to if i were a living christian and not a spiritual corpse then rather than responding to that with the same kind of attitude of you know i treat people the way they treat me i could defend myself while still respecting the other person and still you know showing that i honor that person obviously super hard to do but you guys that's something that i want to try and yes you are hearing a different quality of my recording right now because that portable microphone that caused me trouble the other day is causing me trouble again the battery's out so i this is what it sounds like you guys when I use that microphone versus when I don't. So you guys might pick up on background noise a little bit more too, but we're at the end anyway. So I want to ask you guys, like where are areas in your life where you feel like the walking dead of a Christian? Um, I mean, yes, this won't apply if you're not a believer, but feel free to be entertained by this conversation regardless. Um, the prayer is, Father, before I put faith in Jesus, I was outwardly alive, but inwardly dead in sin. Now, though physically um, I weaken, inwardly I'm becoming more and more alive. I need to remember what true life and <clears throat> sorry, true death are, especially when I face inevitable challenges of sickness, injury, and age. Amen. Okay, you guys, so let's cap it here today. And I hope you have a beautiful rest of your Tuesday and enjoy the warm weather for those of you who are in New Jersey. 
I don't know what's going on in other parts of the world, but let me know and I hope it's warm. Bye, guys.